A quick content warning. This episode will contain discussion of sexual abuse as alluded to in The Wise Man's Fear. It will as well, of course, contain spoilers for The Kingkiller Chronicle by Patrick Rothfuss. Welcome back to another episode of Entirely the Right Sort of Podcast. My name is RJ. I'm your troop leader. RJ, by the way, stands for Rogue Jedi. Now, there are several parts of the books I don't always like to revisit just because I'm uncomfortable reading them or I think they're too sad or I think they're too awkward. One of them is when Quoth gets banned from the archives for carrying the candle around. One is his fight with Davy. One is his fight with Denna. And the last is a stretch of chapters as he is traveling back to Ventus from a Demray and he meets the false troopers. But as there are two female characters in these chapters, I'm going to dive back in to talk about Kryn and Ellie, the two girls from Levenshire, who the false troopers take from their town and back to the camp. Here are seven things we know about Kryn and Ellie. I've combined them and uh, did a little bit of reaching on this one because we only spend a few chapters with them. Number one, Ellie is the mayor of Levenshire's daughter. Number two, she's set to marry Jason Watterson and help him run his store, and she's worried he won't want to marry her anymore after what happened. Number three, Kryn is from a farm north of town, and she is also afraid, but afraid her dad will punish her for what happened to them. Number four, Kryn and Ellie didn't really know each other much before they were both kidnapped. That's according to Kryn. Number five, the way they react to what happens to them. Kryn is angry and hard and mistrustful. Ellie seems to go behind the doors of madness. She needs to be encouraged to eat. She sits, staring blankly, doesn't say anything for a couple days. And they were with the fake troop approximately four days before Quoth comes and exacts his vengeance. Number six, both Kryn and Ellie have some experience with horses being from a rural town. This tracks. Number seven, their full names are Kryn Walker and Ellie Anwater. Quoth does not always give us the last names of characters, so I find this interesting. And a bonus number eight, not all men. Just kidding. But this is definitely the the not all men section of the book, which... I wonder if uh, if there's a 10th anniversary edition of this, which there probably will be, and it'll probably come out before Doors of Stone if Pat's going to go ahead and take that out. Just kidding on Not All Men. So I was recalling these few chapters. I thought, well, this is an instance where Quoth acts the hero. He saves these girls. But as, you know, as I remember it, he takes the opportunity to poison the stew and the beer before he meets Kryn and Ellie. He's already got his mind made up to at least poison these people. Um, You know, unless he, you know, he takes a call of nature after he's sitting around the fire, he might stumble across them in the woods when he's peeing, um, quote unquote, and decides to kill them because of that. But I don't necessarily think so. He... Yes, he does give the reasoning to Kryn that he kills them because of 
of what they did to her and Ellie. But he also says he kills them because they murdered his family and took up a sham life as a rude troop. Yes, the kidnapping and the horrible sexual abuse of these two girls fit into his narrative of what he did and why it's the right thing. And yeah, he takes care of them. He takes them home. But his vengeance and his reasoning, I think, is not only for them. It's for his race and it's for the reputation of his people. So these chapters and the scenes with Gran in Levenshire, who's an interesting character, give us a bit of insight in Quoth's moral compass. I think it's significant that this is the first like major action he does after he has just had the Lathani and the idea of right action drilled into his head. I don't know if he leaves a Demre absolutely determined to always act as the, with the Lathani. I think he shows how he understands the Lathani just to kind of get through this trial so that his hands aren't cut off and so that Tempe is not cut away. I'm not really sure, like I said, he leaves thinking, yes, I'm going to do the right thing. But, you know, maybe he does. Um, so Quoth takes it upon himself here to act as judge, jury, and executioner with the false troop, Alex's troop. But, you know, he doesn't do so without reflection or without being shaken by it. And when he's kind of walking after this, walking Crin and Ellie home, he does recall what Vashet told him about the Lathani. He realizes he saved two girls from a terrible fate, as well as trying to reclaim um, the name of his people. He confides in Gran about what he did, and she absolves him of his guilt by saying, you know, some people need to die. Yes, we see him wrestle with his consequences, the consequences of his actions, but I think at the end of the day, he believes he did the right thing. He even says, sometimes I think about Aleg and smile. Now, someone on Reddit neatly summarized nine mistakes the fake troop made, and I can post these on my social media. Keeping track of their kind of off behavior allows us to tell when Quoth realizes they're liars. It took me a few reads to really pinpoint when he decides that something's up and he's going to have to poison these people, possibly kill them. We can infer that when he goes for a call of nature, he's made up his mind. And what happens right before this? Aleg asks Quoth if he knows the song, Leave the Town Tinker. Come on, man. <laughs> like... Everyone knows that song. That's like meeting Celine Dion and asking her if she can sing you Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. I think that's the moment it's solidified in Quoth's mind because right after he returns from his little urination break in the woods, he asks for a taste of the stew, presumably when he slips some poisonous herbs in, and he gets himself a mug of beer, which again, assuming he puts something in there, and then he sits down and their mistakes continue. So Crin and Ellie, we meet around the fire, and we are explicitly told several times how much Crin reminds him of a young Denna, which, by the by, Quoth is 17 here, and he estimates Crin is about 16. So at this point, how the hell old does he think Denna is? Anyhow, for those in the camp that these scenes are allegorical, you can't get a clearer sign than that. 
Kryn is defiant. She's angry. She's mistrustful. When Quoth brands the fake troopers with the broken wheel, she assists him in burning Aleg. Ellie reacts differently. She's in such deep shock that it takes her a long time to speak again. She eats and drinks mechanically, staring forward, and Quoth surmises that she has gone behind the doors of madness. If Kryn is an allegory for a young Denna, perhaps Ellie is for Ari. We can draw similarities between how they appear and how they act. Kryn is explicitly tied to Denna. She has dark hair and dark eyes. We see Denna not wanting to trust too deeply and being willing to resort to violence if necessary. Recall her brandishing her knife at a man in the chapter horses. Ellie has blonde hair and briefly dissociates from reality as I assume Ari has as well to deal with the trauma she's experienced in her young life. There's also a parallel in the way Ellie crawls to Kvoth while she's having flashbacks and he holds her until she's able to fall asleep again. Much like Ari finds Kvoth when he's suffering from his memories of his happy childhood as he's coming down from the plumb bob. Ellie's position as somewhat of royalty in Levenshire, being the mayor's daughter, connects her to Ari if you assume, as I do, that Ari is from a noble family. We don't know where Denna is from. She mentions she is a city girl, so I suppose it's possible she came from money, not a farm like Kryn did. But as far as we know, Kryn and Ellie get a happy ending. Both make sure Kryn will have a nice horse and a nice dowry. Ellie's set for life as the mayor's daughter with money and a husband who has a job lined up. Of course, we don't know how Ari's story and Denna's story are going to end. We don't know if they'll ever make it back home to where they come from, and if they do return, how they'll be received. I see and I understand the allegorical connections here. I mean, it seems almost too obvious that there would be an allegory with someone named Aleg who dies a gory death. But haven't really thought hard enough on all the connections to weave every little thread of the story together. People hypothesize that this is an allegory to Quoth's troop or to the Chandrian, or both. When Quoth dreams of killing the false troop, the dream morphs into him killing his own family, his own troop. By the count of the Kingkiller Chronicle wiki, Arladin's troop had eight full-time members, including Quoth, and some folks who wandered in and out, like Abanthi. In the false troop, there are seven members, plus Tim and Otto, who serve as bodyguards, and of course, seven Chandrian. We don't know how many of the Chandrian were present at the murder of Arladin's troop. We just see Haliax and Cinder. If the false troop is an allegory for the Chandrian, having murdered a real Edema troop, does it mean Quoth is going to kill every one of them? Somehow, I doubt that. So, what's the purpose of these chapters? And why include Kryn and Ellie if this is just supposed to be an allegory for Quoth's troop and or the Chandrian? Maybe it tells us that Denna and Ari could have had very different lives if someone rescued them. Maybe it's trying to tell us Denna and Ari will be okay in the end. Something I sadly doubt is going to be true. For Quoth, for his character, it justifies his use of violence and allows him to question and reflect on the way he acts without thinking. 
allows us to ask if this murder of these bandits and thieves was of the Lathani. Rescuing the girls certainly was. Leaving Aleg with a water skin so he would take longer to die probably was not. These chapters remind us that above anything else, Kvothe wants control of his reputation. This includes the reputation of the Adimaru, his people, his family. Kvothe, sadly, is fighting a hard battle against the worldview about the Adimaru. People may be happy at first to see a troop of traveling performers come into town, like Kryn was, to hear some news and see a play. But the Adima are not generally well thought of. Opinions of them range from what Will and Sim think, that their life is all about dancing and telling stories, to what some of the people of Levenshire and what Melu and Lackless think, that the Adimaru are godless thieves and rapists who only come in town to cause trouble. The mayor of Levenshire and Mayor Alvaron both question why anyone would pretend to be a Dimaru. Quoth knows this. He's fought against it all his life. He doesn't make his rue blood known for most of his time in Severin. So when he gets the opportunity to defend their reputation, he takes it. He continually tells Kryn and he tells Aleg, Rue, don't do this. Recall what he says to the mayor of Levenshire. Remember, it was bandits who took them, and one of the Adimaru who brought them back. I want to make just one more note before I close this one out. I love the last words Kren and Kvoth say to one another. Don't sell yourself short and marry some fool, he says to you. Don't you either, she says back. I think that's cute. Thank you, everyone, for listening today, for hanging in with me. I know I didn't do one last week. Just had so much going on in my brain. But um, I've still got some big characters coming up to work on. Denna, Valorian, and Ludus, Miss Moon herself. So I hope you'll hang in there with me. I hope everyone's doing well. If you like, if I forgot anything or if you have any notes... Hit me up on Twitter or send me an email, etrsop at gmail.com. Until we meet again on the road, may all your stories be glad ones and your roads be smooth and short.